Hell are you keeping peeps? It's it's absolutely beautiful, beautiful to have you here with me today. And for those of you of a certain age who are listening to the Speed Mentor podcast, this episode, if you have noticed the working title of the show today, isn't an ode to Bruce Forsyth. Nice to see you, to see you nice. It's not even about Larry Grayson either, nor for that matter is it about Isla Sinclair. And by the way, I hope Brucey isn't turning in his grave when he hears me saying, nice to see you, to see you nice, and he's going, that's not the fucking catchphrase for Opportunity Knocks, that's a catchphrase for play your cards right, you stupid bollocks. Uh-oh, and just, <laughs> just, I've just realised, just as I've been saying that, I think I'm mixing my Generation game, which Larry Grayson was on, he hosted Generation game, but not Opportunity Knocks. And you know what, the more I think about it, the more I realise that Isla Sinclair wasn't on Opportunity Knocks either, as she hosted the same show with Larry and Brucey. But now, but now I'm actually now I'm actually suspecting that Brucey didn't host it either, and it was actually it was actually what do you call your woman, um, your woman, the female radio broadcaster's dad. Louis Louis Green Louis Green or Bob Monk Louis Green or Bob Monkhouse or maybe it wasn't both I I don't I don't know um, uh, in fact you know what I'll probably have to re-record the intro to that episode um, as it's an absolute car crash but if you are hearing that intro you'll know that I came across a bigger and better opportunity with for my time that presented itself between the time I was going to re-record it and the time I actually made the balls so. There's a wee lesson in there. Anyway, don't take yourself too seriously. There'll be another opportunity that'll come along pretty soon that you can chase down. So don't worry if you've, if you've made a fuck up as I just have done. Anyway, this is episode 170 of the Speed Matter podcast with me, your host, Gavin Wall, a man on a mission to be the number one entrepreneur by an objective measurement in Northern Ireland ever. And, and that's actually just giving me a thought. I might actually do the next episode on what the objective measurement consists of, just in case anybody from Dickhead Island is over there listening and they're going to try and deny me my glory whenever I am the number one because those fuckers use jumpers for goalposts which are easily moved about. So I'm going to do an episode next, next month, I think, on that. But by the way, and give myself one caveat on that number one, um, which is that I'm content to be second to Andrew Cuthbert. He's definitely more talented than me anyway. But listen, back to this episode. I've got a little bit sidetracked today and uh, I want to talk to you about opportunity. Not about Opportunity Knox, because clearly I know absolutely nothing about that. Um, but it's opportunity. What does it look like? What is it? How can you identify it? Which ones, which opportunities are worth chasing down and which ones are you better off letting go and the that final one there about letting go is absolutely critical and definitely one that I've done some deep work with with Andrew on over the last few years as he never likes to give up he never ever gives up which is a good thing until it's bad and knowing when it's bad is part of the secret sauce of success but anyway if you listen to successful people you'll regularly hear them saying stuff like, there's opportunity everywhere. You just have to open your eyes, man, to see it. And it annoys the fuck out of unsuccessful people. 
because <laughs> they say, if it's everywhere, how can I not see it? My eyes are fucking open and I'm not seeing it. And, and you know what? This reminds me whenever I was an unsuccessful person, uh, when I was back in my late 20s, mid to late 20s, and I was desperate to unlock the next big thing. I spent hours, days, weeks thinking until my head fucking hurt, beating myself up because I couldn't see the next big thing, the huge business opportunity that the successful people could see that was sitting between me becoming one of them. Now, how could they see it? And I couldn't. What research were they doing at that time to find it? What books were they reading to discover it? What connections were they making to unlock it? You see, at that time, I thought, like many of you perhaps who are listening, I thought that opportunity or opportunities, they were like just big single monolithic things, things that stand out, things like the fucking moon in the night sky, because if it was that fucking obvious and that all these successful people were saying, if it was that fucking obvious, it must be fucking huge. It must stand out. And I thought in my mind, opportunity, it actually almost became like an inanimate object you know like the fucking mountain or the fucking moon or the sun or whatever and you know in my mind it then had to be I had to find the mountain and become the first person to climb it like opportunity was this one big thing but I couldn't understand how people I saw having success were able to see the mountain able to see Everest and I couldn't I mean I thought I was Sir Edmund Hillary looking for this fucking mountain. And some prankster what kept hiding it on me. Oh, it's just over the next brow, the next, the next hill. The big mountain will be there. Like, I remember, like it was yesterday, actually praying, literally praying, on my hands and fucking knees in my bedroom at the back of my parents' house in South Belfast. I'm just praying, please just reveal yourself to me so I can climb you and show you that I'm the motherfucking Chief Wallace that you've been waiting for. That's it. Now, I didn't say Chief Wallace back then. That concept hadn't been developed fully, but that's what I was saying. Um, But this big, big opportunity never did reveal itself. Like, I was trapped and a groundhog day of this shite for years and years. And because of it, or at least certainly partly due to it, uh, the inability to find this mythical big opportunity that all these successful people could see and that I couldn't see, I actually continued on my life of really, really hard and destructive partying as that was the one thing I knew for sure that I was the best at in Belfast. No one, but no one could match my stamina in the partying department. But I never gave up, and either should you. I never gave up the hope of finding this opportunity. At times, I don't know why I kept searching, as it was always eluding me. Um, like, it might be for some of the listeners to the podcast. Now, I would have written out lists of what I thought the, this big opportunity might be. I did research. My curiosity and my doggedness kept me digging away. And eventually, I got talking and more importantly, listening to people who'd had the success that I sought. And then, eventually, it dawned on me, the big break was a myth. A sold and sought out by 
other losers like me. And it was used as a device to frame successful people, that they were the same as me. They were just doing the same as I was doing, except that this big opportunity had appeared in front of them. That's how we frame the successful people to make us feel better about our own efforts. The truth was that there was no big opportunity. Their success came from the compounding effect of all the little opportunities that they'd found in the nooks and crannies of life. These small opportunities may not look like opportunities because they're not a major win or the outcome of each one individually won't make a huge difference. But the compound effect of hoovering them all up consistently, day after day after day, leads to the big opportunity. Now, I remember one of my attempts uh, to escape from my life in law um, when I was settling. So I got my law degree, but I hadn't gone to the Professional Institute of Legal Studies at Queen's. So, uh, and I was selling life insurance. And my mentor then, after every day, he would rush from his final appointment, which was often in the evening, somewhere out in the country or outside Belfast. Out, um, his last appointment was of, um, often about 10pm in the evening. And he would rush from that like a fucking lunatic all the way driving his wee fast, flash, flash, fast sports cars all the way down to Tomb Street in the city centre of Belfast where the post office headquarters is. Um, so that as long as he posted letters before 11pm at Tomb Street, they would arrive the next day in the first post. Now, I didn't really understand at the time why he did all that, but he explained to me that the surprise they felt, these people he'd seen the night before, when he'd been with them until, say, maybe 10 o'clock in the evening, the surprise and the warmth they felt when they received a letter, a note, the next morning, that it was such an opportunity um, to build a relationship and to get a further meeting with those clients. They were so impressed that he never failed to get a second meeting and then ultimately close out the business. Now, at the time, I was thinking that my opportunity in my life in the insurance company was to close one huge piece of business, one massive piece of business that would see me out for the whole year, would cover my all my expenses, this massive piece of business. But he knew that the opportunity was in doing the little things and doing them right and taking care with them each and every single day. Now, a recent thing had actually got me thinking about opportunity and it was actually uh, LinkedIn Stories. I don't know if you've noticed I've been really heavily hitting LinkedIn Stories and I had a feeling, I had a feeling that LinkedIn Stories wouldn't work. That's what I actually thought. I, I, I felt that for a few reasons. Um, because people enjoy doing their stories on the gram and the functionality was never going to be as good on LinkedIn as it is on Instagram. LinkedIn is business first and social second. Uh, and for that reason, there might be less interesting stories. And for a few other reasons too that I felt about the Northern Ireland market and maybe even the UK as a whole, that the adoption of LinkedIn stories would never really happen. That it would actually be likely failed. So I waited. I actually waited until everyone else had tried LinkedIn stories and had given up. I waited until people complained that there was nobody watching. I waited until people complained that the functionality was crap and that it wasn't as good as Insta stories, blah, 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 fucking blah. Then, 
Only a few weeks ago then. Only then I pounced. Now, LinkedIn stories, it's not a huge opportunity in itself. It's not going to fucking change my life. But I am now able to brand myself as a man on a mission to make LinkedIn stories relevant. Everyone else has already given up. Now, the truth is that most people are fucking laggards. Um, and I mean that in a technical sense in relation to the adoption curve. Now, they only adopt something when it's been shown to work, when it's already successful. Now, if there's any resistance to it working, which I expected there would be in LinkedIn stories, they will give up pretty easily. Now, I'm an early adopter on that curve, although Andrew Cuthbert, he always calls me an early pragmatist rather than an early adopter. Uh, and there may not actually be a Walrus's whisker between those two things. But either way, well, Andrew probably thinks there is. But either way, when I adopt, I adopt fucking hard and I, ad- I double down hard and I go in Walrus balls deep. Now, the feedback, I'm just letting you into a wee secret here. The feedback I'm getting from just a few weeks of posting on LinkedIn stories from far and wide because um, it's not because my stories are really insane or anything. I'm just getting good quality content out there and I'm getting amazing, amazing f- feedback. Now, back in the day in my 20s, I wouldn't have identified LinkedIn stories as an opportunity. I mean, it's hardly fucking Everest. It's a small opportunity. Some might say, why even bother? In fact, nobody else is even bothering with them now. But I am because I now realise that success is a compound job. It's made up by the accumulation and delivery of lots of opportunities that we can take or not take every single day and they're right in front of our eyes if we stop looking for the Holy Grail all the time. You, you see, you got to think big with your gorilla goals, right? We know that. But um, you got to deliver the success by building it brick by brick by brick. So LinkedIn stories were sitting there for any other person to take seriously, but they didn't. And I waited and waited until there was no interest from anyone else. And now I'm making it my own. People already know that I'm the benchmark there and I'm the content creator. And it's such a great opportunity that I'm even getting a podcast episode out of it now. So do you know what else has now happened? LinkedIn representatives are now reaching out to me to ask me what they can do to help and encourage me because they see the effort that I'm putting into the stories. And perhaps I might even save LinkedIn stories despite their rubbish functionality. Look, I know it'll take a lot more than me to save LinkedIn stories, but maybe the data they get from mine will inform them. And I'm giving them continuous feedback about how functionality could be improved for content producers. Now, they're actually... In my, I fed this back to them, they're actually too concerned and focused, in my view, on the producers rather than the consumers. And they need to sort out the barriers to consuming the content. It's not on a desktop. You can't get stories on a desktop. You have to scroll past all your business avatars if you have multiple businesses like me before you can consume other people's content on your mobile app. Anyway, um, I was just using LinkedIn stories as an example um, of the opportunities that are everywhere. And I just want to jump back on to opportunities now specifically. Now, what you may not realise is that the small opportunities that you deliver upon lead to successful people bringing you more opportunities when they see that you deliver and that you can execute. They can trust you if they've seen you actually deliver. 
Now, this manifests itself by you making the most of the tiny opportunities which present themselves every day. The tiny ones that I didn't realise were there when I was in my 20s. The opportunity, I'm going to give you some examples here. The opportunity to be fair, always leaving a little bit more in a deal than you have to, rather than treating things as a one-way street. Being prepared not to have to win in every negotiation. The opportunity to add value to everyone you deal with, deliver deliver what they expect at all times, but then over-deliver just a little bit. That's an opportunity. Preparation is an opportunity. Whether you're going for an investment pitch or a board meeting or putting in a tender, being prepared to give your best to impress is an opportunity. Be the hardest worker in the room, period. That's an opportunity. Smashing LinkedIn stories because nobody else is doing it is an opportunity. Just like I discovered back in the early days when I started on LinkedIn, maybe five years ago, being the first person in Northern Ireland not to treat it like a jobs board was an opportunity. In truth, that wasn't planned. I was just naive. I didn't know it was meant to be a jobs board. And so I started posting stuff about my failures and pro bono mentoring. And all of a sudden, people wanted to come to my fucking party. Now, the opportunity was there for anyone. And I stumbled across it. And the rest is history. Taking risk is an opportunity. Um, talking to risk, I'm just thinking back there to um, whenever I bought my first house when I was in my 20s, I ended up owning 50 of them. But in my 20s, I had absolutely no money and I bought my first house deposit with a credit card. I put that on the credit card. And that was a risk, um, but it was an opportunity. Now, sitting uh, at the front of a conference, we don't go to many conferences these days. At the minute, they're all online. But um, whenever I'm in a conference, I always sit right at the front row and I always ask the first um, question because that's an opportunity. Now, do you get me? None of those are climbing Mount fucking Everest, but it's the accumulation, the compounding effect of taking every single one of these consciously over time, which builds towards bigger and bigger opportunities. These tiny things are the steps towards the mountain. You cannot climb the mountain until you've trained, until you have the right equipment, until you have a team to support you, and all those small, almost intangible opportunities are what builds all of the stuff that you need. Now, look, 80% of people are still consumers and 20% producers. And of the 20% of produce, there'd be a further 80-20% of producers and super producers. Let's be realistic here. How many of you have podcasts? How many of you are vlogging? And even more importantly, how many of you are creating enough shit in your life to have decent content for vlogs and podcasts? Right? Ask yourself that. When you create that, that creates more opportunity for you to put it out there and for people to become attracted to you. That's the opportunity. Come and breathe the rare fucking air where I live every single day. Come and travel the road less travelled where I walk every single day. Come and scale Walrus fucking mountain with me, the highest mountain on the island, because that's where you'll find me on the cliff face. And do you know why I have so many fucking opportunities? Because I learned that you start with the small ones every day, the ones that are actually right in front of your fucking nose, that don't seem significant enough to you right now, because you're mistakenly thinking that it's all about climbing the huge mountain in one fucking stride. 
Take the small opportunities like rushing down the Tomb Street to post your letters every night by 11pm. I don't think you can do that anymore, but when you could. Those opportunities are everywhere. And when you over-deliver on those, people and the world present you with bigger and better opportunities because they know that you can take care of the small stuff. It's that fucking simple, folks. Don't be like I was back in my 20s, praying to God that the opportunity would present itself the way it must have done for all those successful people that I aspire to be like. Open your eyes to the millions of opportunities you have to be kind, to add value, to give more, to surprise people, to bring them something they're not getting elsewhere, to better yourself every single fucking day. Those are the opportunities. Forget about an opportunity the size of Mount fucking Walrus. Just it's in the little details. Deliver on those, and soon you'll be breathing the rare air with me. But whether you do that or not, it's your fucking choice. 